0: Hello everyone. I'm excited to welcome Brennan York, the Head of Data Platform at Lyft, to our podcast, The Modern Data Show. Brennan is a true expert in the field of data with years of experience under his belt, including his current role leading the data team at Lyft. He has also held leadership positions at other companies like Sympatica Medicine and Capital One and even served as a board member of director as a board of directors for the University of San Francisco Data Institute. Brennan's knowledge and skills include distributed computing data science data analysis and has a proven track record of creating innovative research prototypes for businesses and not only is a leader but he's also acts as a mentor coach architect and technical lead and has a leadership style that focuses on humility clear communication and keeping the team motivated welcome to the show Brennan
1: thank you thank you appreciate it
0: Uh, so Brennan uh Tell us something more about your journey. You know, we would love to understand how did you, you know, you you started your uh, kind of career as a computer consultant, and then you know, over switching over by multiple profiles over years, today leading up to your current position as head of data platform at Lyft. Would love to understand from you how did that journey happen?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a it's a funny story, I guess. Um, I you know, I got my grad degree in computer security actually. Um, but even while I was in uh, grad school for that stuff, I think what, what attracted me to the security realm was because, uh, you know, it was just, it's, it's very hard, right? Mathematically, it's very intricate and tricky. That led me through a number of areas. And, and that whole while I found my niche in security in distributed systems. Um, so that's, that's where kind of the start of, of, you know, this distributed system world kind of comes in. That got me playing with Hadoop when Hadoop was coming out. It was all just MapReduce and things like that, um, and and I just kind of fell in love. I always had a had a heart for the operating system and making things extremely uh, performant and efficient. Um, and then when you get into things like distributed systems, right? Like to do MapReduce, and you know, you learn about lamp or clocks and all that other fun stuff. Like it, it's it's very challenging to a new degree. Um, and i just always had this i don't know love for like making you know 10,000 machines uh do one thing very well together right uh data then comes after that and you know you learn about machine learning and you know model training and all these things and what you do with these 10,000 or more machines um but that's where everything got started and then it kind of snowballed i just followed that interest and and it started with security to kind of secure those things and then that moved into uh, building analytical tools on top of MapReduce for other companies. Uh, and then it just kept on going and going and going um, until here I am. But I just kind of followed the passion. And uh, yeah, that that took me took me to Lyft.
0: Nice. And, you know, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, all of our listeners knows what Lyft is and uh, the kind of business you guys are into. But uh, uh, talking specifically about your role at Lyft, walk us through about your role at Lyft, uh, Lyft right now.
1: Yeah, so director of data platform basically means that uh, my teams and I we work through managing all of the I would I would argue front of house and back of house for data. So that means the any any anybody who's using the app, you know, there's events that fire and trigger those go through all the streaming, the online services uh, that trigger, you know, real time ML things like that, experimentation platforms that run through there. Um, you know, then you get into S3, right, and you get storage, then you have the back end, right, which is a lot of the traditional, you know, your ETLs, your orchestration systems, your batch compute systems, uh, that then create, you know, various reports, or, you know, model training, etc, on the other end. Um, And we run basically all of that. Um, At this point, we kind of look at everything as like, you know, trying to be the framework or the series of APIs that, uh, are for internal Lyft customers, right, to just move quickly with data, um, you know, and and uh, just go from there.
0: Amazing. And, uh, you know, just just so that uh, our audience can kind of put things into perspective, what kind of data volumes are we talking about? Huh.
1: Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Um, so I believe I was checking the numbers recently, and we... Compute on about a hundred petabytes of data a day um I don't know if I can necessarily go into the event volume right, yeah because you kind of extrapolate there um but let's just say i mean they're 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 very high i mean we're i think the 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 candid thing is like we're we're not on the order of Facebook or anything like that, right like we aren't into exabyte scale I would argue we're we're in we're in petabyte scale um which is which is a lot, right? Like that's still more than enough. I think, uh, you know, one of the, you know, Lyft being completely in the cloud, um, one of our kind of companies that we look up to, uh, because I think there there's a big difference of scale when you own your own compute and then scale when you don't. You know, there are very different challenges when you deal with, you know, on-demand spot instance types, reserve instances, especially as... I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute as I, I feel like the market kind of moves to kind of crunch all of this stuff. Um, you know, I do think there are very different, unique challenges there. And and one of the companies that we look up to is Netflix, right? Like they were kind of, you know, a long time ago, very cloud first, cloud native and, uh, you know, have kind of paved the way for a lot of other companies to start looking at cloud as as the sole kind of backbone for their compute um, and so, you know, we have a great partnership with them and a, and a number of other companies, right? But um, so they, they kind of spearheaded a lot of it though. And you see them probably on the forefront of making more tools than than most of the rest of us when it comes to like cloud tooling and things like that.
0: Yeah, and that that brings to my next question in terms of like, you, you know, you say you, you guys love cloud, right? And uh, as a head of data platform, while making your decisions in terms of building your own stack, for various use cases or something like that. Do you have an affinity to use any of the managed service provides provided that's provided by these cloud providers? Or do you guys tend to, wherever possible, build stuff on your own? And what's the rationale yeah. behind whatever your answer is?
1: Yeah, the classic build versus buy. I think um, whatever I say is probably going to make somebody angry out there because... You know, it, it is it is very opinionated in in some degrees, right? I think as an engineer, like I'd love to build, right? As as you know, someone who has to represent the business, uh, I I very much respect the buy, and I think there are these varying trade offs. I would say, um, again, a lot of it as I'm still learning, right, in my own career that the trade-off in my mind comes very much from the business need at the end of the day. So, so there are a couple of factors that come in, right? It's like, you know, what's the run rate? How much money do you have? Right. Where can you put those resources? Right. If you're going to have someone actually build the thing. Right. Uh, And, and then, you know, like, I think what's the, what's the long-term ROI there. Right. Sometimes you might take a, a layered approach, right. Where you would, you know, go with the managed service today and also build at the same time your own solution because long term you know the maintainability sometimes of of the long-term solution may be a little bit higher right but your ability to mold with the business becomes so much faster than than a managed service right um so you've got to weigh all those things in and and i think like there's a lot of times where admittedly especially with a lot of these big cloud providers I would say the managed services are great. You're probably not going to get a lot of features necessarily as quickly as your business wants to move. Um, but if you need something simple, right, like, uh, you know, Kinesis or something for like PubSub or whatever, if you just need PubSub, right, and you can work within the limits of Kinesis, just use it. You know, it's probably going to be more cost-effective. Now, the moment you need, you know, uh, some something else or, you know, more than just like the simple PubSub, um you know choose whatever you want you know you're you're getting into the kafka territory for instance or something like that you want to use all these custom features um you know it's going to be a while before you're going to get those potentially out of kinesis right you got to go talk to amazon and you know it's it's a natural kind of evolution so for me i tend to try to look at things like that and just say where do we need to be with the business you know like you know at the bleeding edge and where do we just need to maintain, right? And I think when when everyone looks at their data stack, you've got to look at those things, right? You've got pub sub solutions, you've got orchestration solutions, you've got batch compute, you've got online compute. You know, you could even bucket in just those four categories. And I'm going to leave out machine learning right now because I think that's uh, a way more nascent territory, but, but also has its own buckets as well. Um, and choose where you want to be... Um, you know, kind of at the edge and where you want to, where where you don't, right? Uh, we run our own Flink. We run our own Beam. Um, as as I think everyone can probably imagine, Lyft is a very online business. It's a very online company. For those exact reasons, we need to make sure that we are with the business when we're online. Um, batch Compute and and other things like that, we actually do run open source, um, but we don't need to be nearly as cutting edge, right? We can We can fast follow and use managed services and things like that.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I know you probably won't be able to get into specifics, but w- what do you think? What percentage of your, you know, systems are kind of off-the-shelf managed services versus the one that you have built, roughly?
1: Where do you put uh, open source?
0: Um, So open source, if it is hosted by a, let's say, a managed MongoDB by Mongo, I would say off-the-shelf.
1: Okay. Okay. But if we host it, then it's...
0: That's yours. That's, that's oh, your self thing. Yeah. Um I would say
1: quick swag, we're probably sixty forty we host our own.
0: Sixty forty you host your own. Nice.
1: Seventy-thirty we host our own.
0: Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. Now the next question that I have is uh and this is something that, that there's a common fallacy that I think so most of the you know engineering leaders kind of fall into is building for a scale when the scale is not even there and uh, you probably have experience across a wide spectrum of companies you have seen the scale of left you probably have seen different different scales first question what are the most important things within the the broader ecosystem of data platform what's the single most important thing that people need to think about in the early stages when there is no scale to be able to be ready or prepared when the scale comes in what are those core components where you would say spend as much as you can in the earliest days possible
1: you know it's it's a great question and i think in my my personal opinion the thing that matters most at every scale is the product right like data doesn't matter if you don't have a product uh or you know like if you're if you're selling something if it's b2b b2c you know whatever um I would let that be the driver. The way I look at things nowadays um, is scale when you need to, right? Um, I think that's why these managed services, you know, are are amazing because they work, you know, zero to one and and one to a hundred. Um, maybe they don't work to a thousand or ten thousand, you know. Like, and I'm talking when I talk scale, then it's, it's factors, right? Um, I would argue at every factor, you should just deal with the scale when it comes. Um, you know, I think, uh, what was it, Knuth that basically said, right, like premature optimization is, is like the worst thing you can do effectively. Right. And, and arguably, I think that is actually the pitfall that many people fall into is we think we can get ahead of the game and predict it. Um, it's pretty rare. Right. Even even if let's say you go hire a senior engineer who had, you know, uh, done way more scale or whatever, and he, you know, they come in and you're like, hey, I want you to prep for X, Y or Z. Well, what you still don't know is whether you're actually going to hit X, Y, or Z scale. Um, and you may end up wasting effectively those resources, right? Like everything comes down to to money at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, while, while it'd be great to be prepared for it, um, you know, if it never comes, that's, that's probably a worse problem than if it does come and then you, you kind of need to put some Band-Aids on it. Or to the same point, there are a number of managed services that can handle the scale for what is a lot less price than to go off and like run your own whatever build your own xyz thing that is exponentially more more cost prohibitive i think in the moment um you know like it's not going to come out well on your balance sheet for many many years and again so i think taking that risk is is almost in my mind nowadays, just not worth it you know it's better to start with a bunch of managed services you know or or you know a lot of these uh, you know, the vendor solutions and things, I think they work great. Um, you know, personally, I wish, you know, vendors and, and these other companies had a better relationship to know when their scale ended. And, and you could say, hey, it's not for us anymore, you know, and, and it, unfortunately, you kind of have to go through that sad divorce, um, which doesn't always work out super well. But, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's that in my mind is what I would advise everyone scale when when you're there right? Don't scale thinking you're going to be there. Um, I guess the other caveat I will say is, you know, for Lyft, we've done a lot of work uh, in, in effectively simulating our ride volume. So, so one thing that, that, you know, I can say is basically it's a giant performance stress test on all of our services, uh, microservices, API, data platform, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, that allows us to handle Peak loads when they happen, right? Um, I think as you're looking towards scale, and you need to be at least dynamic to handle these, you know, random peaks. Those are the next kind of worlds that you would want to invest in, and and then that that'll usually you know shed light on areas in which you can go focus on.
0: Wow, amazing! And just to understand a little bit more about the way you have structured your team. And, uh, you know, so talk about, talk about this data, you know, data platform team, like what does data platform team even does? How is it different from, you know, let's say traditional teams like head of data, you know, the, the, the teams under the head of data where you're more responsible around analytics and BI, how is data platforms different from analytics and BI functions?
1: Yeah, I, I would argue, uh, the big differentiator is that there are customers still, you know, so, so data engineers, scientists, analysts—all those, you know—and and the tools that surround their work, uh, to some degree, are are for them to own, right? We're we're kind of a much more centralized function, um, you know. Our job and ability is really to make sure that it is easy to build uh, whatever you need—tables, reports, models—you know, those kinds of uh, end-state artifacts, right—that are going to power the business. Um, you know, at the same time, making it easy for, say, production engineers to create a new event, you know, have that run through the pipeline, test it, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I think back to the question of, like, how do we structure ourselves? Effectively, I look at the world as kind of like online and offline with that storage layer in the middle, uh, you know, that kind of links everything together. Um, Which, you know, even before my time, they had chosen, you know, a file format and a structure and everything, which I think was probably one of the smartest decisions right we we started with parquet could have gone with orc right like either or but we had parquet and i think you know having that good you know compressed columnar format was like the 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 best ground right at the end of the day get your get your you know what people are calling the data lake correct right and then you can build outwards from there both online and offline and so everything we do revolves around effectively reading and writing parquet um you know in into our our uh, data lake and so you know that's the first separation right and then you know I think everything comes comes into admittedly kind of around resourcing and things like that you know in offline we have you know teams around basically our core components we we have uh, you, you could argue it's it's effectively three teams I could break it up into more but but let's just say it's it's uh, some version of compute and query right then there's orchestration, And then there is kind of the front end systems. You know, we have some of our own, we have some vendor solutions, right? Just easy ways to access the data, the logs, you know, be able to diagnose what's going on. In the online world, we kind of have the same thing. You know, we have a couple, but I would argue like online front end systems, you know, uh, as you're well aware of a Munson, right? That being kind of one of them. We also have some internal things to do data quality checks like that. and then you get into our actual stream compute systems, and in between is that layer of persistence, right? Like these are uh, the teams that leverage our stream compute systems to run these customized, you know, Flink Beam jobs, etc., to to kind of handle the volume of events and get those
0: written in. So is is uh, is stream compute a major part of the work you guys are doing? So you know, I've heard Apache Flink Beam Samza and everything. So is 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 that a majority of you know, does it take a substantial chunk of the work that you guys are doing at your team?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, compute on both sides of the house is probably the the most substantial. So uh, Flink Beam on one side, uh, Spark Trino on the other side. And uh, that is where the majority of of our power goes into. Um, I mean, if those go down, right, Lyft can't effectively do its job nearly as well. So that that's kind of like, it's it's our most critical
0: point. Right. Uh, the next question is probably a bit of controversial one is, what are your thoughts on the modern data stack? You know, I believe as a data leader, you would probably have 10 emails in your inbox every single day where there is a vendor who is pitching the new category that they have created with this amazing tool and amazing technology. So my first question to you is, have you seen, like, have you seen any implementation of any of these new tools and technologies that actually made a difference to you or your teams? And if possible, if you can take names, you know, would love to hear those success stories uh, of, of things that actually worked for you guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a great question. I think my team, if, if they're hearing this, would, would hate the answer. And it's, I, I don't think we've done enough exploring in this, in this front, to be honest. Um, and I, I think that admittedly kind of gets into, you know, one of those pieces that that we talked about in, in a prior question around, like, I think there is a reality of the business need and and the market, right? Like the market is compressing a lot of these tech companies lately. I'm sure we're all reading this stuff in the news. Um, and so I think naturally we're moving from growth to, to profit. And, and I think as many people would want to say, Oh well, like that doesn't really affect like these lower layers, but it really does right? I mean, you know everything then becomes about efficiencies and things like that so so, what gets cut right like well, innovation effectively gets cut right you you end up becoming like your innovations become running these things extremely reliably uh to a very low cost, right? you focus more on your reliability your s r e style of work than you do around you know i think. Hoodie, Iceberg, Delta Lake, you know, these kind of new upsert level tools and systems that I think are kind of moving, moving us in these way better directions. Uh, But you know, like, we personally don't get to necessarily play in that realm right now, right? Like we have to just kind of keep the business online. Um, I don't think that doesn't mean that we can't innovate, right? But like I said, I think, candidly, that's actually where I get really excited, right? Like I said, my whole journey has been around, you know, making things really efficient. So you know, once you start capping your number of resources, then all you get to do is be more efficient. Um, I find that actually quite intriguing. Um, but you know, it's not like we're going to be launching, you know, a new Amundsen anytime soon, you know, whatever that new thing would be, you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to make some incremental progress, you know, effectively a portfolio approach of things, but, but our portfolio for like long-term endeavors is going to be a lot smaller. Um, so, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be there nearly as well. Um, I will say my, my own controversial opinion on all this is, uh, you know, there were some papers that came out a long time ago by Google and everything else on, on streaming. Uh, I generally align with the, the fundamental principle that like streaming is the basis for everything and batch is a subset of streaming. And I know that like, that's the Lambda Kappa architect, you know, everybody argues, Um but uh i i my fundamental thought is that right like and i think database technologies need to catch up in such a way that you know the the event volumes that we're seeing in stream can be leveraged in in effectively near real time right like we need those reads and writes in those databases to go down uh along with the guarantees that we typically see and want like you know, uh, immediate consistency, not eventual consistency and things like that, right? Like normally you have that cap theorem and you've got to trade off things. Uh, And so I think, you know, that's what we want to see, right? Like we want all that stuff to get a lot faster. That way you can do a lot of this, you know, real time online, uh, you know, um, computation things. We're starting to see that with like Druids, click houses, things, you know, so we're getting there. Um, I actually... You know, know a buddy of mine who's been working on this uh, technology, um, Pelosa, for a long time, which is uh, very, very cool technology, very nascent in this like kind of database world, which which is all kind of like bitmaps and things like that, kind of going into the same realm as as ClickHouse and Drew. And I'm super excited to see where that goes because I think all of those technologies are kind of where we need to get to, paired with streaming. Like that's that's going to be the way
0: nice amazing you know and uh, just on a very quick slide uh, detour, uh, have you ever explored any of the materialized databases for example materialized.com or ksqldb is that something that have you guys ever considered no no have not okay yeah. okay okay so so the the, the next next question uh, what is that one uh, you know you, you talked about these you know streaming databases and database that can adopt to changes other than this Has there been any kind of category or kind of any new emerging technology within the whole modern data stack that has kind of impressed you and given the business constraints, given the business need, all of that sorted? And that is something that probably you would love to try it out someday.
1: Yeah. Again, I I think admittedly, I've been so focused, I haven't had time to necessarily move out as much. Um, You know, I mean, one of the things that I'd love to pull in would be the iceberg hoodie. World, right? I know I mentioned that already, but I think that's, uh, you know, also like not super new, but I think that's an area that that like very tactically, I'd love to be able to try out, right? Um, another area that I wish we could pull in is kind of the Alexio Tachyon world, right? Of this kind of pinned memory, I, I still have this dream that like it could actually help us speed up a ton of things, but we just again, it's it's kind of a resource constraint issue, um. And the last one is, you know, just in general, like the area that I'm super passionate about or like I I really love seeing is, you know, kind of where where a lot of the kind of machine learning world is going. You know, we see a lot of this with like SageMaker and uh Union AI, you know, Flight, which came out of Lyft, you know, a lot of these like machine learning orchestration systems and things like that that are that are moving forward. Um, I think that whole world is really cool. Um you know, and I, I think that's kind of it, it's demonstrating the new needs, right? Like it, you know, kind of goes back to that like streaming database thing, but also, you know, compute tied with, you know, caching tied with versioning and, and kind of dynamic tasks and things like that. So. um you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where all the, the machine learning AI world kind of plays out in a lot of this.
0: Nice. And, you know, I also happen to notice that uh, you have co-authored, co-authored this book called Spark, Big Data Cluster Computing in Production. How did that happen?
1: Like everything in the world, it starts with an email and and you say yes to something when you probably shouldn't have. And uh, I will say it was, it was great. It was a super fun time. Um, I am not an author. I'm not a great writer. I think, you know, I'm sure the editor had a lot of work to do for me. Um, You know, for anyone out there who's debating a book, I really, I would encourage you write 10 pages of something and then say whether you want to write a book or not, because, uh, you know, while it was a great experience, I don't know if I would necessarily do it again, just because it's, uh, you know, I think for certain people, it's just a, it's just a slog to get through, you know, writing that many, that many words. But hopefully people found it useful, you know, I, I at, a, at a time when when Spark was coming out, I think, you know, I was I was there working with a lot of the Databricks, the early Databricks folks and things. And so I had known a lot of things that now I'm definitely less less well versed.
0: Right. And uh, you, uh, you know, you have also, uh, you know, you were academically involved as an, in, uh, you know, adjunct faculty at uh, University of Maryland. Right. And uh, Do you see a gap in terms of what academia has to offer versus what the industry need? And if there is a gap, how do you think, you know, young professionals or, you know, people who are just getting into the industry can bridge that gap?
1: Yeah. So my time in Maryland, admittedly, was also, I was actually teaching a grad course in computer security um, on system administration, things like that uh then uh, you know a lot more of kind of what what is probably more apropos is is the time when I was on the board for um first in San Francisco because I think that you know that they asked a lot of the same questions right how do we prep our young people uh who are coming out uh you know with the right skills and technologies and and tools and I think you know at the end of the day, in my mind, nothing beats. You know uh trying things out, prototyping, right? I think um you know I yes, I think there's there's candidly a level of you know kind of luck plus you know motivation and grit that that gets everybody everywhere. um but I think you know there there's the reality of all of mostly all of the solutions that everybody runs and all of these companies is open source to some degree, right. The vendor solutions, most of them are open source, right? Confluent Kafka, right? Uh, Amundsen, you know, Flight, uh, you know, obviously Spark, Databricks, et cetera, right? Like uh, there, there are these pairings or, or you know, they're out there, Starburst and Trino, um, but, but Trino runs at Facebook as well, right? Like I think it's easy to pull these things down, make some incremental improvements, right? That's that's a lot of where I got my start, uh, you know, was, was pulling down Spark starting to make edits, you know, I made edits to the build scripts and things because I was like, this is taking too long. Um, and so I think just having a little bit of motivation and, and just like drive to like, just be passionate about something and follow the passion. I think that's the one thing I tell everybody be passionate and go with it. Um, and so so at the end of the day, like, I don't know if I would augment, I think every probably curriculum is a little bit different. Um, you know, what I've focused more of my time on lately is coaching people who want to transition from other careers into you know a tech-based career whether it be in data or something else and i think that's where you know these questions again of like do i go back for a four-year degree you know do i go try to get a master's somewhere or do i go to one of these boot camps or or something like that that you know are, are becoming quite accredited um you know in that in that domain i see a lot of places where i think these boot camps and i think you know getting uh, you know people's feet wet shall we say in you know like a, a 9 month or a 1 year boot camp and things like that's a lot of where i've been spending my time and focusing on now is is again those career transitions and you know how to kind of just augment all these other skills that i think we have i would argue that's the bigger kind of need we're going to work people are going to be passionate about uh, computer science they're going to come out it's it's the lawyers the the nurses the doctors the uh, you know, the the other marketing practitioners, recruiters, et cetera, that, that all want to, you know, start writing code and automating things for them. And I think that's a whole world of of people that also have great ideas that we want to, you know, kind of uh, engender.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, and, you know, just just before kind of, we, you know, wrap up our today's episode, let me kind of, you know, uh, leave you off with one last question. Lyft has been kind of a, a hotbed for innovation when it comes to data products. You know, you have, you know, Amundsen coming out of it. You've mentioned fried coming out of it. So two kind of interlink question. What would be your advice to individuals who are working in, you know, big companies like Lyft, working on some of the amazing code projects and technologies to be able to incubate or kind of create such projects within their organization and yet being able to kind of, you know, spin off that project away from the organization and kind of share it with the community and eventually probably build a business out of it and b what is it those these companies can do to be able to support that culture of innovation and kind of uh, you know the, the 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 amazing capabilities of those individuals to be able to contribute not just to the company but to the rest of the world what would, what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah no great questions um I, I think to answer the first one, you know, very candidly, I think uh, focus on the business need is is my advice. And, and I know that maybe not, you know, again, that's not like what engineers necessarily want to hear. But I think if you build a product that solves a real need, right, even a data product, right, um, first you have to demonstrate that it solves a real need. And I think that is oftentimes where I see things, you know, kind of end sooner than they should is because... You know it gets very pie in the sky and oh this thing could handle everything and do everything and so my advice is like build incrementally and build to a need um whatever that need is right i mean that's the same thing for a startup right like build to a real need um and and that is exactly why you know for what we've seen a Munson, and you know flight like th- those are built for real needs that that have existed inside lyft right like and that is why they they came to fruition and they kind of snowballed, right? And they got to a point. Um, I think the second thing, which is, you know, I think Lyft does really well is is like, you got to let it go, right? Um, to answer answer your second part of the question is, I think, you know, if I could give advice to any company, you know, I think more often than not, while we think that it may be a competitive advantage, I think, and there could be some, some argument for that as well. Uh, more often than not, I think, you know, letting these technologies go and flourish often becomes more beneficial uh, back to the inside of the company as well. Because, you know, what, what happens is, you know, let's say you let go this 10-person team who is building this thing and you let them open source it. Um, they're going to go and keep building on that thing because they're super passionate about it. And then, you know, company X or whatever that let it go is then just going to reap those benefits, right? And and so you know you kind of become an incubator of of these things, and and I think we see this over and over again. I, you know, there might be some companies who who want to hold some of these things in, but I think oftentimes, especially in tech, um, you know, many of us are quite altruistic, and so you know we do see this you know continue to come out, um, again and again and again. You know, Twitter was prolific with a lot of you know. I mean, I think they they started a lot of the the kind of like open source streaming world with Storm you know, and then it kind of snowballed from there, you know, so I, I think we see this with a lot of the tech companies. I don't think we're necessarily going to see people holding back necessarily, but, uh, you know, you'll probably get features and components and I think
0: that's okay. That's a great perspective. That's a great perspective. So thank you so much for your time again, Brennan. It was such a pleasure having this conversation with you. I'm sure our listeners would love
1: appreciate to. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. For me.
0: Thank you again for your time.